CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They make it really easy to get great tasting Mexican food. You can stop by any one of their three convenient locations, Capitol Hill, U District, Wallingford, or you can order through Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. You can also text RBT to the number 474747 and you'll get deals on tacos, burritos, and more. All of the information is in the show notes. Hello, everybody. I bet you guys missed hearing that. It's been it's been too long since I've posted a show, but the sickness got to me. Uh, you know, when you got the plague, what are you going to do? Man? Oh, man. I was I thought I was going to be fine. I thought it was going to be good. I thought that it was going to be a two day, a 48 yeah. hour thing. I don't even know what it was. I had. I was I had a fever and then I had like it just felt like my face was going to <laughs> cave in. <laughs> it was Captain Trips, Carlos. Oh, that was man. what it was. It was Captain Trips. It was horrible. And t- so last year I didn't get sick at all. I may have gotten a little bit of a cold mm-hmm. maybe like in June or so. But the year before, so 2000, so what was 2008? So 2007, <clears throat> I was sick for about six weeks. Whoa. I, I got a ear infection. Ugh. And it's like, who gets ear infections? What adult get, gets oh, ear infections? Oh, I know. Infection? I, you know, I had them like crazy when I was in my grade school and, and middle school years. I, Never, I actually had them. I'm a pretty lot. sure that was my first ear infection. Ugh. So that was 2017. Fun. Jesus. 2016, at the same time, I had a ear infection. So two years in a row. <laughs> Holy crap. 16 and 17. Oh, my God. I had ear infections at the start of the year that I don't even remember Q1 Jeez. of 2016 and 2017. Good gravy. Just done. So then 2000. Uh, so then last year, I didn't get I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I did different than this year. Once March passed, I thought, okay, I'm in the clear. You'd think, yeah. Like I'm 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 good to go. I'm not gonna get it again. But man, it got me. <clears throat> and this one was just weird. This one was this do you remember the episode of Tales from the Crypt with Bo Bridges and Jeff Bridges, where they're two doctors? Yes. And the last scene was of I believe Jeff Bridges on the operating table mm-hmm. who is paralyzed but still can feel everything yes. and can still think yes. and Bo Bridges is like digging that's what I felt I felt like <laughs> I was I felt like I was just laying on the couch paralyzed not being able to say anything but I could I was just feeling you all sorts feel of all. discomfort yeah. it was not good oh yeah yeah um I, yeah I did not like that at all But luckily, it's all gone. But you know what? Here's the kicker. And this this is just me being old. (laughs) Halfway through my sickness, I start developing this little pain in my left big toe. Okay. It started off by just like it felt like I had dropped something on it maybe. Man. Um, 
yeah, like I had dropped something on it. It, it, it was just a little sore. Then the next day, a little more sore. The third day, it hurt to walk. Holy crap. The fourth day, <laughs> my foot was swollen. Oh, my God. It, was it gout? I mean, what's, you oh, know? I hope not. Oh, God. Gout's scary, man. My dad my dad deals with it with some frequency, and it's like, Isn't, uh, like, iodine what you got to do for gout? I think so. I honestly, I haven't had it, so I haven't had to deal with a cure oh, for no. it, so... I'm not sure. Oh my goodness. All I know right. is my dad my dad has it sometimes and it makes his foot balloon like. So who knows? Like and that's like a joint thing, isn't it? I believe so, yes. Oh my goodness. I hope now you you're freaking me out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I'm a I'm a big ass hypochondriac myself. So you're like, you know, we're gonna be like wallowing in our concerns about oh, our health know, together. Old age has made me that way. Dude, you are not old. I'm I'm forty. Dude. That's not old. I am a legit 40. <laughs> I am 40 and uh, what month is this? April? April, yeah. I'm 40 and a half. Oh, wow. Ooh, I'm older. <clears throat> I'm when not going to spoil it, but I'm older. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Where does the time go, dude? Where does the time go? You, here, You want to hear this crazy story? Please do. Uh, when I was 21... I was a machinist. <clears throat> I ran these big CNC equipment made. Mm. Did you lose 80 pounds and have to deal with sort of a proto film noir situation? Almost. Okay. I did lose 30 <laughs> pounds. Oh, hey. In a week. So it's like the machinist drive it, diet. You, Christian Bale. Boom. Afterwards, yes. I was uh, I was working second shift. It was about 11. I re, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like, I don't remember very many things with such detail and crisp mm-hmm. reality as I do this particular story. It was about 1130 and I'm up in our break room heating up my lunch. And my lunch was a like a, a, a it tried to be a fancy salmon like uh breaded fan, uh, salmon something fillet yeah but that we at the time my my ex-wife had bought like at the like the equivalent of Aldi they don't have Aldi's here have you ever heard uh, of Aldi no i haven't Aldi is actually a german company i believe but they're a grocery store that has their own products they're okay. like Kirkland. like Kroger or yeah you know, but yeah. they're like all like economical like yes basement. so when i was a kid no one wanted to be seen at aldi because you would be called the poor kid <laughs> and you didn't want your mom buying any lunch food from aldi because it was all aldi brand oh yeah well anyway so we had these salmon uh breaded salmon croquettes yeah or fillets or something and i'm heating it up mm-hmm. and then i just feel like someone hits me in the stomach with the baseball bat Oh, I buckle over. The wind gets taken out of me and I lay down for about 20 minutes. Jeez. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sweating deep, but like soaked through my shirt, sweat. Jeez. And then this was on a Thursday. I went back to work Friday. I felt like crap. Wasn't eating. 
Saturday felt like crap. Did eat ate even less. Sunday, even worse. Monday, my they, they said, you know what? Maybe you should go to the doctor. So I went to our urgent care with my lovely HMO. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's poke in my stomach, pokes on the right side, mm-hmm. and I almost punch him in the face. And he's like, you have an ulcer. Oh. So he prescribes Nexium. I go home. This is like on a Monday. Tuesday, horrible. Wednesday, horrible. Thursday, I'm <laughs> I'm vomiting this thick yellow liquid Holy that is making crap. half of my face numb. Oh my god. Just numb. Holy absolutely crap. numb. And not eating anything. By this point I had not eaten eaten anything in a week. Oh my heavens. And then I'm thinking, man, this must have been some nasty salmon croquette Aldi. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Aldi thing. So then uh like Thursday or Friday <clears throat> My ex-wife kept on saying, you got to go back to the doctor. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, just give me a second. <laughs> it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> Medic. <laughs> okay, there's a punchline here. Like, I'm crawling to the bathroom, yes. but I'm telling her I'm fine. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I just wouldn't go. I would not go back to the doctor. I'm like, I'm fine. Just give me a second. <laughs> <clears throat> It'll so get better. She, so she calls my mom. And then I'm like, I'm a good Mexican boy. Yes. Like if your mom says you have to do something, you have to do it. Yeah. So my mom drove over to our place, took, I think I was, I'm pretty sure I was laying on the bathroom floor when she came in. Oh my God. (laughs) And she said, we're going to the hospital. So my dad uh, half carried me to the car. And this is in February in Chicago. Jesus. There's like 10 feet of, well, there's like five feet of snow. Good heavens. So they take me back to the urgent care and they take one look at me and they say, go to the, go to the hospital. (laughs) Like we can't help you here. Go to the hospital, which was pretty close. Go to Copley urgent to the emergency room. We'll call them and let them know that you're coming. Oh my God. They didn't even look at me. Holy cow. So my parents took me to the emergency room. Mm Mm-hmm. They wheeled me in, and I remember the, them checking me in, you know, getting all my information. And within 45 minutes, I was in the operating room. Oh, my God. My appendix had been burst. Holy for cow. For a week. See, when you were first telling me all that, I thought, oh, my heavens. You are lucky to be alive, <laughs> my friend. Jeez. But the, the funny thing here is that a week is like, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not going. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Uh, like, I don't remember how many times my ex-wife said, go to the doctor. I'm like... Go away. I just need to breathe here. Oh, my God. Just give me a second. And I didn't go. And then, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was burst so bad that most people, when their appendix burst, <clears throat> they're normal humans and they go to the doctor. Yeah. So they only have a small incision on their right side. Yeah. They cut me open from, like, the bottom of my sternum to the, like, about two inches below my belly button. Jeez. Because everything inside me was infected. Oh, my heavens. So there were some doctors in there playing with my guts. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Oh, that was a lovely story, Carl. I wonder how that compared to a Tom Savini effect. There you go, man. At some point, there's got to be a Tom Savini effect involving some, like, <laughs> yellow bile being puked up or something. 
Uh, there's this, yeah, there's the only, like, I mean, there are a couple of, there's a famous vomit scene, of course, in Stand By Me, which is, you know, that's kind of like the, the Rolls Royce of vomit scenes. But if you want to get into, like, some of the lower brow, like, like gremlins, uh, like like a uh, like a gremlin, a seventies gremlin equivalent of like a vomit scene. That yeah. would be Forbidden World from nineteen eighty two, which is okay. an alien ripoff. And spoiler alert for a thirty seven year old movie: uh, the mad scientist actually removes his cancerous tumor Ooh. and throws it into the monster's mouth because it's this big alien monster that's been like eating the whole crew and shit. And um, so the monster swallows the tumor, and then after about five minutes, the monster starts puking. So like he got white cancer. stuff. So, well, yeah, he just got totally. Apparently, he either got cancer super instantly, or just the tumor was just way too much, and he just got <laughs> sick on it. This is this is the world of, of schlock horror, man. I I've, I've managed to come up with a direct beeline between your appendicitis and a fucking you know alien monster you know puking up white bile. That's you know, so he funny. Ate a cancerous tumor. Um, but you know, I diverge. I wish that they had recorded my surgery. How cool would that have been? Oh, man. Yeah. I, my ex-wife had um, surgery on her knee once, and it was fascinating to watch because they did videotape it. And nice. they, had this, they had this weird device that had, like, these these fast-moving, like, teeth on it almost. And so it was like you didn't have any sound, you know, but you saw her knee getting the endos- getting endoscoped. Yeah. And you saw this thing in there chewing on, like, this strange matter that had built up in there that just was like sort of a congenital thing and i all i could hear in my mind was this thing going and i'm watching it you know and i'm like like almost subliminally i'm just going you know my ex is looking at me like what like the hellraiser centibite that does that it looked like that dude like that or like a little alien only it would have to only it's like really small so it would have to be making that kind of twerpy little that's so funny you know those uh, okay i'll i watch like i'm a i'm addicted to youtube are you addicted to youtube i can go down youtube rabbit holes readily yes i like watching those uh operation youtube videos and mm. like the pimple popping videos and oh, the ingrown toenail videos God, i will neither confirm nor deny that i've watched a <laughs> pimple popping video or two in my time why is that so it's 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 um what's the word i'm looking for it's strangely, it's strangely alluring. It's strangely addictive. It's like, I want to use the word satisfying. <laughs> well, there's some ca- catharsis to a catharsis. That's the word. It's cathartic. It is. Ca- so I was. I'm a big <laughs> boxing fan, and there was lots of boxing this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And one of these guys that I was watching fight had this humongous pimple on his lower back. Oh my god! And I just kept on thinking, how come someone in his corner does not just pop that pimple? <laughs> well, those fuckers. Oh, sorry, another F word. <laughs> we're we're past PG thirteen now. My apologies. That's uh, they hurt, man. Like the, if yeah, they, like they should have just popped that pimple so that he forgot the pain that he was feeling getting hit, and then just focused it on this pimple. There you go. And, and he might have totally kicked ass. He could have like yeah. that. Could have been that. Like could have been the, his rally. It could have been. That's all I was thinking as I was watching this guy fight. <laughs> this dude had a full-on boil that needed to be lanced on his back. <laughs> if I was in his corner, I would have popped it. Oh, my God. Oh, like Maybe not like on purpose, but I would have definitely like flicked it really hard. <laughs> if you flicked it hard enough, it would have released on its own. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Or like scratched it or something. Oh, man. 
and, and, and it would have been just sort of like patted him on the back with a little bit of an extra squeeze. Yeah. Oh my God. Like it deserved it. <laughs> this thing was so huge. It deserved it. Oh, good well, there's only a few people in Seattle that can, uh, can come back with a 1980 horror movie reference. <laughs> and one of those people here in Seattle is my guest today. Tony Anthony. Which would uh, you like? Tony K is just fine. Tony, K, the, the the famous Tony K, <laughs> the legendary Tony K, uh, writer for various publications. Yeah, I write for a couple of websites. Yeah, music, yeah. film websites. Music, yeah, big in music, big in film. Uh, interviewer, into, not big in, but just big into. <laughs> I'll say big. Uh, you're so sweet, Carlos. I'm gonna get all verklempt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, your, your show is very local focused and that's a lot of what I'm writing about is very local focused. That's the whole point. Yeah. Is like, I'm not, uh, I'm not really trying to be, I'm just trying to be known in Seattle. That's the idea. That's the goal. Yeah. So I want to bring people that are doing super, how about this? I want to bring people on the show that I think are doing is uh, cool, interesting things. And top amongst that is is yourself well thank you thank you so i uh actually i became i've known of you probably since the first time i went to crypticon which is now probably five five or six maybe more than that yeah i i started doing panels in 2012 i think it was so this coming crypticon will be my eighth one pretty close to the beginning yeah. cool and the only the the very first Tony K <laughs> is okay. This dude's wearing shorts, a long sleeve shirt, and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my it's my uh, my uh, misspent English schoolboy look is what it is. <laughs> well, it how was, are you, it sir? Was hot. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to Things be doing here. Doing good. Yeah, doing great. No, I'm so thankful. Thank you again for Dude. for taking time out of your schedule thank to be you on the for, show. Thank you for inviting me to play in the sandbox. I dig it. Hey, you know, I I can't come up with quite as amazing stories as as Cody's Uber <clears throat> stories, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I have you some know, pretty good ones though. So. I was so she, her story was kind of. I was. She's not going to listen to this, but <laughs> I was expecting something a little bit more. Ah, interesting. So basically, her story was that two people were, well, this Massively one woman, wasted. Yeah, yeah, super wasted. I was, like, I don't know. We need. She has a couple more, like as you can see on my board here. Ah, of the of the things that we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. So the Uber is right up there. Oh yeah, she's a she's a big uh, Ted Bundy fan. I watched the miniseries recently. That was very interesting. Not really anything. New. revelatory but it was really well interesting and deeply unsettling and also um yeah that's just a whole nother ball of wax I, actually i didn't know a whole lot about that i grew mm. up in chicago see i i i'm a northwest boy i've lived here all oh, my yeah, life so, you so know i about yeah i had the whole play-by-play -play and i'm just old enough to you know to have cognizant memories of the news, the news frenzy that surrounded what this guy right. was, was and what he was doing, which was crazy. Yeah. So the like the serial killers that I uh, knew were primarily were Richard Speck. Uh huh. Well, knew of. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew Cunanan. 
Oh, wow. Like, my wife didn't know anything about Andrew Cronin. Oh, my God. But yeah. uh, the, what is it? American. Who did the whole story on Versace? Uh, I don't <clears throat> remember. Have you, you haven't seen it on Netflix? Uh, no, I haven't. So the, it was the same people that did the series of OJ. Oh. With Cuba Gooding. Mm-hmm. What was it? American. It's like AMC, maybe. They did a whole series on mm. the death of Versace. It's actually called I, the yeah, death of actually, Versace. Yeah, actually, it's on Netflix. Yeah, I yeah, I it's on my queue somewhere. But yeah, it's it's super. Like I, as we when we watched it, I went back and I thought, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So he had started off killing people in Minnesota, I think, and then uh, he killed a billionaire in Chicago, and he killed more people on the way down to Florida where he eventually killed Versace. But like, I knew about him, like my wife is a Northwest girl as well. She, Mm -hmm. she didn't know. So, so she didn't know too much. Um, But then she also knew of, of green river. I know I didn't know about green river. Oh yeah. Gary Ridgeway. Yeah. Why don't they make a movie about him? Uh, I think somewhere they have, I, I keep on thinking that somebody's made a green river killer movie. Sometimes I get him confused with BTK. Yeah. They're kind of similar. Yeah, that's true. Except BTK is Ohio. I think so. Yeah. There's been a lot of serial killers in Ohio. I tell you. Well, there have been a lot here, too. You know, I mean, you've got Bundy. You've got Gary Ridgeway. Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're kind of they're kind of like they're kind of like serial killer superstars. Oh, God. Yeah. This uh, this is more uh, Kim Douthat is um, one of the wonderful panelist at Crypticon and she's doing a true crime panel, I think, at this year's Crypticon. She would be someone to really like pick the brain of on this topic. Yeah. Actually. You should try having her. You know, I started do you do you listen to any of the uh, the true crime stuff? Actually not really, honestly, no. It's so about a year and a half ago I started listening to a podcast called uh, Sword and Scale. Mm -hmm. A true crime one. And the first one that I listened to was about a guy who I think he got convicted, but he was on this cannibal forum, this chat room. Whoa. And had and had these very um, detailed conversations with other people about how he wanted to kidnap kids and then ultimately devour kill, them. cook and, and eat them. Oh, my God. So this is the very first sword and scale podcast <laughs> a sword and scale podcast that i listened to and i'm like why am i filling my brain with this <laughs> like it's kind of bummed me out but then like the next one that i listened to was just like i don't know some just regular good old breaking and entering and killing yeah. somebody ah. a la or clockwork orange yeah and then i just ultimately within uh, four or five months i listened to about five years worth of true it's I I I can go down true uh, rabbit holes with podcasts. I don't do I really don't do much if any true crime, but as far as movie related podcasts and yeah. stuff, I'm like I'm all about those. Lately, what I've been doing is there's a podcast called the No Sleep Podcast. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a Reddit, it's a Reddit thread mm-hmm. where uh, I don't know if they're aspiring writers or p- people write ghost stories and like scary stories, mm-hmm. they post them to this Reddit account. And then the no sleep podcast has voice actors that will go and produce them. Oh, cool. So like they have like six or seven actors that will do that will go and read for it. And I go to sleep with that every night. 
Uh. <laughs> I will put my headphones in and then just go to sleep. And I've conditioned myself to do this so much that I cannot go to sleep if I don't have headphones in. Oh, my God. Which it's probably a bad thing. I, I, I would say that's a pretty bad thing. But I just I just can't. And I've <laughs> because some so actually I'll uh, I'll deviate here for a little bit. I was listening to the Richard Ramirez biography, mm-hmm. Night Stalker. Night they Stalker, wrote a, I yeah. mean they wrote a bunch of books about him. Oh yeah, I was re- I was listening to one particular book, and I would listen to it as I'm going to sleep, fall asleep, and then wake up maybe like at five or six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then here, and as he's, you know, cutting the throat of this woman, and then I would just be awake. I'm like, what's going to happen? And I'd be awake for a little bit, but then I'd fall back to sleep. It took me about three months to listen to that whole book. <laughs> but then this is where my brain went. Okay. I am pretty sure, have you, I'm sure you've seen the movie Seven a thousand times. I've seen it a couple of years. Okay. I am pretty sure that the government knows how many times people have listened to books on Audible. So in my <laughs> head, I'm thinking, if there are any crimes slightly similar. <laughs> Who's this guy that's listened to this podcast there's gonna be times? There's going to be some <laughs> FBI agent saying, uh, Carlos Moore in Seattle, Washington has listened to about 350 hours of Richard <laughs> Ramirez books. <laughs> you know, there's a pretty good uh, biopic about uh, Ramirez that was actually directed by a local director named Megan Griffiths oh. with Lou Diamond Phillips playing. Um, Is that good? Should uh, I watch it? It's yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's it sounds like damning with faint praise, but it's a good solid B movie. I would I would call it a good solid B movie. In the way that you used to have good, solid B-movies, which I guess, you know, Netflix and Amazon streaming are kind of becoming that place now where right. where you get good, actually good quality movies. And just because they're going straight to video or Netflix, it's no longer an arbiter of how crappy they are. It's right. like it's just, you know, it's so impossible to get something that's not a two hundred million dollar superhero movie into a megaplex that. Right. You know, it's it, well, I think that a lot of that is that. I mean, Netflix is just the highest bidder. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I talk to my friends sometimes about this and they're like, oh, this movie sucks because it's on Netflix. It's like Netflix did not commission this movie. Yeah. It's like they made this movie. Someone wanted they, to sell it. Exactly. Netflix just happened to be the, the person highest that bidder. highest yeah. bidder. Yeah. This could have easily have gone to any of the other <clears throat> studios. They just didn't want it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I think just think it's indicative a lot about how people, most people don't know how anything works. Oh, I know. Well, <laughs> and, and it's really interesting because I mean, that's like, it's so funny because it's like so old school for like TV, anything to be stigmatized. Yeah. You know, but we're in an era where like Oscar winning actors are like, give me a good TV show. Give me a good TV yeah. show. It's like the whole game has been upended and it's like, it's not a stigma for whatever you're doing to go direct to video as much as it used to be. Anymore. Right. Especially if like, like you said, you know, Netflix is ponying up some mega cash to, well, you know, throw down on that. Adam Sandler got how much? 50 mil. Jeez. To do that ridiculous six 
thing. <laughs> that was the first one he did. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, the yeah, whatever that one was called. Um, was the second one, Ouch My Balls? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'll be more than happy to make dopey movies for Netflix for Man, 15, to make six dude, of them for Tell me mil. about it. Although, have you seen his latest stand up? Uh, no, I haven't. Do you, do you like comedy? Do you watch comedy? Uh, I do a bit of stand I'm not as, as caught up as I'd like to be. Like Netflix yeah, is I, doing a ton with comedians and their specials. Oh, yeah, they've got a lot of They've a got lot a of ton. Specials. And the at the the new Adam Sandler one, which is called 100% Fresh, I think it's called. It's hilarious. It is the it is what made Adam Sandler funny, which mm. is pretty much songs. Yeah, but they're just so funny. They I laugh like a complete nitnik <laughs> as I'm watching it. But the some of them are good, like the Sandy Wexler movie on mm-hmm. for uh, the adam sandler on netflix yeah. I, I enjoy that i thought that was funny he just plays his agent i think yeah in this yeah. goofy way some of them are really dumb but no netflix is i'm i'm pretty i watch network tv maybe 15 percent of the time mm-hmm. then the rest of my time i would say 70 percent uh is youtube Mm. of what i watch yeah and then the rest of it is netflix or amazon yeah i i would put that i watch in a year maybe one percent of my viewing is network tv yeah. i almost never it's watch so, it it's so boring it's, it's all the same well yeah and and we're at a point right now where we have so many different entertainment choices that the networks are like they're they're pretty much dinosaurs at this point you know well they i think like they're trying to play it mega safe, mm-hmm. so everything is exactly the same. Yep. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's sustainable over the next decade. I would think not. I mean, you know, the the record industry was going through the same thing and just was not. It was this big lumbering beast that just was not getting into synchronization with the modern world, and and you know. I mean, think of all, all the opportunities that uh, that the major labels lost when things like streaming started to kick in, yeah. and, when, and when you had indie artists who could go on to you know the ancient days of MySpace, but they could go on to MySpace and and sell like you know mega copies without any label interference. I mean, that's how the Arctic Monkeys became right. major label stars. You know, they had hundreds of thousands of hits on their MySpace page and and sales on their on their music, and the next thing you know, the major labels came calling. Yeah, you know, it's the whole you know. It was the whole, you know, big lumbering, you know, old business, you know, is trying to grab onto the coattails of of those who are moving, you know, the rapidly cre- forward. Yeah, the well, the creators, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Like it just, it just, it just. <laughs> I laugh that I was complaining about this the other day that Netflix used to be like seven bucks to stream. Yep. Like just to stream, and now I think I'm paying like. 16 yeah yeah and i was complaining about it for a bit but then i'm thinking okay there's been some pretty awesome netflix oh hell yeah exclusive oh hell yeah like have you seen big mouth on netflix no i haven't seen okay oh my god (laughs) i've seen a few i mean you know i've seen a few of the movies that are that it's a cartoon oh wow it's a card like just watch one episode. I'm we'll talk we'll talk after again after okay. you watch one episode of this cartoon called Big Mouth. 
Okay. On on Netflix. <laughs> They've had two seasons. It's a cartoon bay uh with uh Nick Kroll mm-hmm. and Mulaney. Who's his first name? He's a comedian, New Yorker. Uh, uh, John Mulaney, David Mulaney. I think it might be John. So I, the pr- yeah, yeah, I this is a this is a little bit of a blind spot for me. So. It's the, the 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 reason that I want you to watch is it's because we were talking earlier about irreversible. Yeah. And okay, now Big Mouth is isn't this from Adam Sandler to irreversible. Yeah. <laughs> but the shock value in irreversible is pretty high at yes, the time. Absolutely. Okay. Big Mouth equally as high shock value for a cartoon now whoa and there's a lot of envelope pushing with animated stuff oh now. my god this show is about seventh graders it's animated it's a cartoon uh-huh seventh graders that are going through puberty and it's just in the first in the second episode a, <laughs> a seventh grade girl gets her first period while on a school field trip to the Statue of Liberty. Oh, God. And her friend buys her a I Love New York sweatshirt that she then uses as a diaper. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we talk about Shakespeare now? <laughs> and that's not even the worst of it. Ay, ay, ay. This, th- there is... What is <laughs> well purity? Puberty is an ugly damn thing. You know what? So, the, so as I'm watching this, I'm complete. Okay, I'm laughing like a complete idiot, like mm-hmm. a complete moron. I'm laughing yeah. watching this whole thing, but they, they, the visual representation of puberty in this cartoon mm-hmm. is that they do it in the form of a uh, hormone monster. <laughs> So these seventh graders get assigned by the puberty council. They mm-hmm. get assigned these hormone monsters. <laughs> so for so, so it's like they're hormone familiar, I guess. Yeah. So the the show centers around two 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 boys. They're they're best friends, and then they have one of the a girl is their other friend. But these two boys, one of them is gets puberty before the other one. Mm-hmm. So he's had his horror monster for a while. Yeah. And his horror monster is like telling him to whack off every s- chance he can to bang <laughs> everything that is possible, <laughs> like everything. And then the other guy, he's development a little, he's developing a little slower, mm-hmm. but the MV, just like you said, the envelope pushing that they're doing <laughs> in an animated series about seventh graders, masturbating and ejaculating for the first it's just in cartoon and with wow. these voices are just hilarious I, I i would think so and i would think it probably amplifies the uh the discomfort factor that it's animated sometimes seeing something that wiggy animated like makes it even worse the what's so brilliant about this show is that they acknowledge that mm. and on a couple times they break the fourth wall mm. they look straight into the camera yeah and they're like could we have gotten away with this if this was not an animated feature? <laughs> it's just so funny. Well, the the whole point of this conversation is that the like the new stuff, the edgy stuff, it, it's not coming from 
from networks. The networks, no. It's like the, the new show on NBC is about a woman who has a bar in her backyard and she gets caught from her landlord. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Yeah, exactly. It's just so boring. Like even the <clears throat> even the um like the beloved network shows like Modern Family. Yeah. Which maybe were good five years ago, but mm-hmm. that now are pretty much they're pretty much all the same. Yeah. And uh This Is Us. Yeah. Did you like everyone love This Is Us, but This Is Us is the exact same formula as ER in the nineties. Oh, totally. Where yeah. every episode they just want you to feel mega feelings and just cry. Why would why do I want to do this? <sighs> I don't care. I, you know, well, and not just that. I mean, it just points back up to, you know, the bigger the entity is that's creating the art, the more watered down it it gets and it has to be because it's a high stakes game for these guys. It is a total high stakes game. So it's very interesting uh, just just pondering all of this with Netflix. And, uh, you know, and I, I think the other thing is, again, you know, what are major studios usually making when they put out films? They're making tentpole action movies and superhero flicks and stuff that's kind of lower, lowest common denominator. And that's, you know, that's what they're doing with. Why, oh, thank you. With uh, TV. That was a wine break. That was a wine break. And fortunately, not much of one. <laughs> we can keep talking and keep drinking this all is, at once. You know. Carlos has a fine wine selection, by the way. Just FYI. I think the world needs to know that. And you know what? My wife does not share my wine tastes. Mm. <clears throat> well, yeah, we were talking Malbec and she's not into she's it. She's not all. into it. So. Um, so I, I, my, my side of the wine cabinet is pretty much always full. Mm-hmm. I have some pretty good stuff in here. Cool. <clears throat> in there, I, I dig it. Well, I'll open up, uh, a, one of mine, uh, next, next show. Oh, oh, you're going to have me back. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, we're talking, you know what? Wines. I was actually. I was going to start with asking you um, how sad you were about Notre Dame. Oh, Jesus. That was just, that was heartbreaking to watch that cathedral, that spiral. You know, your reaction just now just shocked me. For some reason, I thought you were going to say it's just a building. It's, well, you know, it is, but yet... It's more than that, you know? I mean, this is a structure that has endured for hundreds of years. I mean, it's Jesus. 800 years old. Thank you. You know, the hunchback of Notre Dame, for heaven's sake. You know, that, that structure, and by extent, you know, that story, and by extent, that structure is like, it's like cultural history. It's a cultural universal. It's one of, it would be like if the Statue of Liberty, you know, burned down yeah. or crumbled. You know, it's, it's, that, it, it's that much of an iconic structure. And would yeah. you come it would you come would your thoughts be thinking at all about the religious part of it or just the not art really. historical not really i think and that's <clears throat> the thing there's been a lot of fixation on the religious aspects of you know of what the structure represents and yada 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 but i really i think that it just on a pure cultural and artistic level it's a huge loss i mean that that's what it comes down to and i there are certain things Although, ironically enough, I would argue against the, you know, like the the Confederate flag, you know, and statues of, you know, racist white generals who enslaved people. But um, 
in this particular instance, I feel like the there's the, there's some there's a, like some artistic precedence to this. Yeah. There's like an artistic importance to the structure, and I would imagine also an architectural significance. Although right. I'm not like an architecture expert by any measure, but I mean it's you know just well, as it took them hundreds of years to make it. Tell me about it, and just watching it go up in flames in just a few hours. That was oh, that that was that was a bummer, man. I'll come at, I'll come at this from the other side, where I'm. Eh. I'm a non-practicing religious person. Mm-hmm. You know, he was raised, you know, I, I, I have my, I would, would you could call it core beliefs? Yeah. But like, I don't go to church. And yeah. My mom, every time I talk to my mom, she says, did you go to church? And you're like, no. I was like, no. Sorry. I'm too hungover. <laughs> oh, which is a damn good reason not to go to <clears throat> church in my estimation. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> that's yeah that's not good at all uh so yeah religion. i was thinking i was thinking of it in i i so this this is where i'm coming from so mm-hmm. where my grandparents were from <clears throat> it's this tiny tiny little ghost town not ghost town little tiny community outside of a biggish city in Mexico mm-hmm. where all of the houses are Adobe. Oh, wow. People are pretty poor. Actually, actually my grandpa used to get mad at me because when I was a kid and we used to, we used to go to Mexico all the time as a kid, I would go to the little store buy handmade fire fireworks, firecrackers. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to people's houses and sh- shove the fireworks in their Adobe homes and then light them on fire. Oh my God. And then like, blow up half of their house you little bastard <laughs> jesus <Like> I, <laughs> I used to do this a lot and then my grandpa like my grandpa spoiled spoiled the the grandkids like my grandpa would never ever like he was a mother to his kids uh-huh. he was a very strict like i saw my grandpa flat out backhand slap one of my uncles who was 35 years old jeez <clears throat> But to the grandkids, we could get away with murder. <laughs> my grandpa, my grandpa—that's <laughs> always the way, you yeah, know. My grandpa took me aside and he's like, "You know what? P- stop putting fireworks at people's houses." <laughs> 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 well, anyway, so it's this little tiny town. Okay, they're farmers, you know. They, but they had this humongous Catholic church in their town. Oh wow. Like big cathedrals, pretty big. It was like the biggest thing in this whole little town. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept on like since I was a little kid, I started thinking this little town is pretty poor. Like they can mm-hmm. eat, they they just have to work really hard. But why is there such a huge Catholic church? They had yeah. a regular church. Yep. Not a Catholic. They just had a regular old Christian church, and it was as a as a humble of a building. As, as the Adobe the, houses, as the of, Adobe houses, yeah, and yeah. like that's where my grandparents used to go because we, uh, ironically enough, I'm Mexican and I'm not Catholic, <laughs> <laughs> or like soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Catholics had this humongous church, and I'm like, do they really need? Does this town really need a hundred foot arched cathedral? Yeah. 
Good question. And no, they don't. They don't. So this sort of set off me. This set me off on this this whole way of thinking of. And I call Jesus baby Jesus. Uh huh. To me, baby Jesus. It's like <laughs> people who all these people who built these cathedrals, whether it be Notre Dame or whether it be Secular mm-hmm. or whether it be, I don't know, the one that in D.C. that yeah. the presidents go to. Mm-hmm. It's like this wasn't for this wasn't to like baby Jesus didn't instruct these people to do this. <laughs> This is true. This is mega narcissist man thinking I am but going then to one. One could argue that 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 religion is the entire you know the entire point of religion is that it's a construct by man to uh, to uh, aggrandize himself uh, you right know, uh, beyond this world. Yeah, because I don't think baby Jesus cares about how big this building is. I I I'd say that's a pretty good guess. He doesn't care that you kept because supposedly in Notre Dame they had the mm-hmm. the 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 crown of thorns and they had a piece of the cross and they had like these relics yeah, right yeah. they had the nails like i don't think jesus cares about that stuff in fact they might be a little bit creepy like out. he might be like you know what i remember when they drove those things in my hands and and I'm that okay shit hurt it. do you have to you know and he's <laughs> if he's visiting Notre Dame it's like this you know baby jay is just kind of hanging it's like oh trigger like, trigger like, warning yeah. trigger warning for jesus it's like not cool dude <laughs> not cool pope francis oh Jeez. I don't want this. <laughs> Can we like, you know, I don't know, like maybe one of the loaves that I turned into fish or something <laughs> or one of the, or like the water that I turned into wine, you know? Yeah. So that's like my whole thing It's like, yes, it's sad that this building. Yeah. I mean, and does it mean something? Yes. And do people, but why the, like, there's no, like the, and I'm talking about people who believe here, like uh-huh. their beliefs are not diminished because some, building burnt down yeah yeah and if it is then you need to reassess exactly there is something wrong with your priorities there yeah Yeah. but i mean i get the whole thing that you know it's it's important because it's old and you want to keep old stuff around and well and also it was you know again it took many many decades to finish building it and it's a testament to i guess to the to the sturdiness and drum tight aesthetics of the construction that it lasted for so yeah. for as long as it did. So I thought it, I'm looking at it from that standpoint. I'm, I'm a lapsed <clears throat> Catholic myself. I'm an ex Catholic myself. So, yeah. and I'm still recovering from that. So <laughs> I have never been, I've been to mass a couple of times. Um, the a Catholic church in shoreline hired me to do communion baptism. Dude, I was an altar communion. boy, man. <laughs> I was an altar boy for a year or two. And you know what? really sucked is it was on Sunday mornings and way back when I was an altar boy in grade school and junior high, they had on channel 11 sci-fi theater. And it was always, they would always show classic science fiction movies. that would start at noon and we went to mass at 11 o'clock and we would always get back at 1215. And I was so fucking peeved because I would, I missed like the first 15 minutes of every classic science fiction movie from the fifties and sixties that was televising on, on like, you know, syndicated TV. So first 15 minutes a day, the earth stood still. Nope. War of the worlds. Nope. 
you know, <laughs> all these all these classic science fiction movies, you know. So I, that that's probably the reason why I'm a lapsed Catholic and why I rejected religion is because well, of that. I would probably say that that's probably <laughs> part of the reason that you're so analytical is mm-hmm. because as you're watching these things that have already started, you then have to fill in the gaps of what happened those prior 15 yeah. minutes or so. Or I was so hardcore that I'd have to like end up and God would, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when there was no such thing as home video. <laughs> I remember back when you only had four channels on TV, kids. <laughs> we watched four channels and we liked it. Yeah. Isn't it? We liked it. <laughs> I think you have to slam your hand down when you there say you go like exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I the thing that really has always, I, I was always enchanted. I mean, literally, my first childhood memories are of watching a horror movie, like watching the Boris Karloff 1932 Mummy, while I'm sitting on this really weird olive green 70s couch with my mom, and we're feeding our dog popcorn and ice cubes. And there's Boris Karloff in bandages taking a little walk. I remember that from like, yeah. but so. Well, be, I think that horror does that in general. Yeah. It's so visceral. Is that the word that I'm thinking? Yeah, of? That, that's. It provides. That a, hits it, yeah. Because my first movie that I remember having a visceral reaction to is Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I can and understand that. did that come out in 85? Yeah. I don't think I saw it until. Maybe like ninety two. Oh wow! Yeah. So if it came out and my parents had a movie ban on me, they would have never taken me to that. Actually, the very <laughs> this is slightly pathetic. The very first movie that I saw at the theater uh-huh. was uh, Mortal Kombat. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> which was i don't know what was i like 17 oh wow yeah my parents were my, actually it wasn't even a religious thing my mom would say we pay for cable why am i gonna give you money to go watch a movie someplace else <laughs> that's what she used to say uh, and yeah. then uh and then she would she would yell at me to clean the tv she would say if you're gonna watch that as long as you do clean, clean it, it. <laughs> Oh my God! I know I never had to deal with that one. My parents were actually my mom, bless her. She's partially to blame for my absolute fixation on horror movies because yeah. when I was a kid, my dad was in the army and he was stationed in various corners of the universe. Um, and my mom was at home alone with just me and my brother a lot. And yeah. you know, back in the late seventies and early eighties, what did you do to take care of you know to kind of babysit your kids as it were what you did was you took them to a movie theater right and i was obsessed with like fangoria and famous monsters of film and so i'd be like mom mom famous monsters says that the incredible melting man's great let's go and, and she would take you she took me to these oh movies and i and i drag her to those movies and i mean i don't know if you've seen the incredible melting man but it is pretty probably snippets of it it's it's like gleefully nasty and it's it's absolutely horrible on many, many levels. Horrible as in? As in, well, it, I would say entertaining horrible. Okay. I think I think that watching the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of The Incredible Melting Man, aside yeah. from a few slow spots in the movie for real, it's redundant. Because I think that they were trying to make a 
kind of weird brain damaged satire of horror anyway. But <laughs> my mom, anyway, these were the types of movies I would drag my mom to. And it was in an age where you, we didn't have home video. Uh, it was still a few years down the line. And so there was very much a mentality of if you wanted to see a specific movie, especially, you know, one that wasn't playing in multiplexes or, or in, you know, larger theaters, you had to see it. I was a military brat, of course. Yeah. So the thing was, if you saw back then in the 70s, they used to screen films. They would only screen like a film one night at a theater. They had like a dozen theaters on base and they would screen like one film one night and then Where another one. Where in the world is this? Uh, this is in Fort Lewis and Madigan and McCord Air Force Base. This oh, is so back in the set. Yeah, right here. <clears throat> okay. I, I, I'm, I'm a total local boy. Um, but there was kind of like this tier of crap. So <laughs> if you're like a horror fan, everyone has their tier of crap. But this was like an established one if you were living in this area at that time, which is there were certain horror movies that would show up that would like cross over and show up in the multiplexes where you'd see like Halloween or phantasm or something like that. Yeah. And more commercial then, stuff. Yeah. And then after that was the theater that also helped like create my obsession with schlock movies, which was a, a theater called the Parkland theater in Tacoma okay. that I grew up in that always showed double features. Um, that was kind of the next layer of shitty. If you wanted to see, real bottom of the barrel shit that was too poor <laughs> even for the parkland theater to show then you would go to the military theaters because you'd get a screening of something for one day and you never knew if you'd ever see it again right you know i mean that's where i like so i saw like the first time i saw um message from space the japanese god uh star wars knockoff from 1978 okay i saw that on a big screen at the madigan at madigan theater it played for one day in 1978 and i was convinced i would never see it again so I was there. And your mom was there. Uh yeah. Yeah. I that mean, is so cool. I yeah, I you know, I it was it was so funny. I drag her into these, you know, not so much message in space, which was pretty or message from space, which is pretty wholesome, but I would drag her into a lot of horror movies and uh they would get bad, like really extreme. And we I'd I'd be like embarrassed. My mom is the closest thing to a saint of any human being I've met. She's just like <laughs> incredibly sweet. And so here's this wholesome you know, sweet little woman who's sitting in this seat and watching like, you know, uh, a dude who's melting into candle wax, like eating people's limbs and stuff. And we come out of, we would come out of these movies. Every time we'd come out of these movies, she would say, Anthony, I can't believe you made me sit through that. <laughs> and then the next weekend we'd be watching some other wet fart piece of crap horror movie at one of the military theaters. It was it was a well, glorious time. I'm just jealous that your mom did that. <laughs> Dude, tell me about it. I know how lucky I am. I really know how lucky I am. It was like no freaking way I would be able to get. I don't know. I, I blame it on the fact that my parents were old. Ah, see, that that does make a difference. Like my I was old when uh, I came around. My dad was already like 42. Mm. My mom oh, was. Oh, wow. That, yeah. My mom was mid thirties, uh, so they just did. I don't. They just didn't have the energy. I don't think. Like my memories are, my dad working twelve hours a day, jeez, and then coming home and then just going to bed, and then that's it. And then going to church on Sundays, mm -hmm. and then every now and then going to a picnic or something <laughs> on a Saturday. You can really get him to stretch his horizons. Yeah. go to a picnic. Yeah, but it's like my dad never took me to like uh, I don't blame them for anything. They just mm -hmm. didn't know. 
Yeah. Like they never like I they like no ball game, no yeah. catch. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> like that would have been super cool if they had if they had done that, but I feel about bad about that. Okay, I don't feel bad about that now. That's a bad. That's a bad uh, way mm-hmm. to say it. I lament that now, mm-hmm. but none of my friends <laughs> had that. Yeah, <laughs> my it, super my super best friend growing up, his dad worked just as much as my dad did. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was never around, yeah. but he made more money than him. So he got to do a little bit more stuff, but his dad was never like his dad was there, just not there. Yeah. And then his mom, he could just do whatever he wanted. Like his mom never, never uh, put any boundaries on him. So yeah. anytime I wanted to do something nuts, I would go to my <laughs> go to, to your friend's house to go know. to that friend's house. And, and then you we knew would just do. you could do something nuts. Yeah. But like, I just didn't didn't have that. And I remember yeah, I had to have been about. Uh, yeah, I'd have been about like 12 when I saw Nightmare for the first time. Mm. And that was because a cousin had recorded it because at this point it was already on like HBO or something. It mm-hmm. was already on TV. And that is the only movie that scared me so much where I'll say I did not sleep for a couple days. I can totally see that. I was a little, well, I was a little older when I first saw it. I was about 17, I think, when I saw it. Um, but even then, I was like, "Wow, this movie has quite the impact." I was really, I yeah. was really impressed. So, what with it. scene did the uh, got you? Do you, I, you know, I think the thing that generally got me is I loved, I, I loved how it utilized dream logic, where one of the great things, one of the most wonderfully airtight things about that movie is if characters do like stupid horror movie things, they're in the middle of a dream. You yeah. don't always do logical stuff, you know, when you're in the middle of a dream, when you're when you're when you're, you know, living, cycling through a nightmare that you're living through in your head as you're asleep. You don't always do logical things. And so, yeah. you know, characters will wa- wander into places that, you know, they shouldn't, you know, and just things like that. And I think the inevitability of that pull of the subconscious is kind of like the overarching thing about right. the first movie that just like really got to me. That makes sense. Yeah, that I'm, makes total sense. Yeah, I'm a big, I, uh, I'm I mean, a big fan of the first one. I'm, I, the others are okay. You know, but, I have not seen all of them. Oh, really? I've seen one, two, three. Uh huh. What's four? Uh, child, uh, dream uh, like dream child or something. I haven't I, seen that one. Yeah, I I've seen them all. But I the only ones dream that Master. kind of the only ones that I really remember are the first three. Yeah, I still haven't seen New Nightmare yet, which I've heard is quite good, but. Yeah, which is like the that's like the meta one that was made in the '90s, kind of well after Number Six or whatever. Where uh, oh, was that the one where Wes Craven was actually in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I saw haven't that seen one. it, so I don't I don't know anything about it. What turned what's what's weird about those is that the makeup got worse as they yeah. kept on going through. Yeah, it's like what made. What made the first one so awesome was that his his the the, the appliances that they put on yeah. him were grimy and slimy and shiny, yeah. and then yeah. he just got he kept on getting smoother and more refined. Uh, you know that's what happens when a character you know it devolves from a source of fear and menace to a one liner factory. You know, yeah, and that's what happened. I mean, and those are that that sort of approach has its charms. 
but yeah, it, God, see now that uh, that makes me want to watch the movies now and just check out the evolution of the Freddy makeup on that. Yeah, the Freddy makeup for New Nightmare, I hated it. I saw, I've seen pictures of it. I it's can, not good. Yeah, it's yeah. just like stick with what worked. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, let's take a brief second <clears throat> to pay the bills. To pay, to pay the bills. Yes, let's take a quick second to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. When I needed updated content for my small business website, I was worried because I didn't have a very large marketing budget. But then I found Carlos at CZ Media. He gave me a budget-friendly quote and delivered the high-quality content I was looking for. I would recommend you check him out. All of his information is in the show notes. And we're back. Hoorah. I think that ad was for me. Really? I think it was. Cool. So if you need pictures, portraits, headshots, product shots, you said you, uh, you're you familiar with Rancho? Yes. Have you eaten there? Yes. <laughs> I'm yes. not going to ask it's, you. Uh, <laughs> Rancho Bravo, the best Mexican food I've ever had. <laughs> Hey, you know what? There is nothing like there's I actually live in Wallingford and the Rancho Bravo in Wallingford as has been uh, plenty of salvation for me after many a late night debauching. You know, that's they closed the U District one. Well, but you can go to that one. So you went to Wallingford. Yeah, the Wallingford no, it was, yeah. it's the Wallingford kitchen is probably the best kitchen. I, given the quality of the food, I would say so. Yeah, and then yeah. they have some people there that uh, really care about mm-hmm. what they're doing. Well, and I love, again, they stay open late. I think that's awesome. No, it's good. It's uh, I've been doing all of their media for, for, for a bit, but I had to scale back on creating content because every – so if you go and you look through all of their content, mm-hmm. I've eaten all of that. that's not sustainable i can't do it hey you know what it's a product you believe in it's i eat it all hell yeah and they're i'm just gonna go ahead and say it they're gonna be doing something new and making a handmade tortillas oh wow i'm in they're gonna start at the capitol hill uh-huh. Because it's quite an ordeal mm-hmm. to make handmade tortillas. Yes. But they're going to start doing that. But it'll get to the Wallingford location. Uh, but, yeah, so I do. If your business needs content, I take pictures. I make videos. And they're damn fine pictures and videos, too, by the way. You know, I do what I can. Hey, you know what? Some of the loveliest pictures of Mexican food I've ever seen, Carlos. <laughs> you know, I've put tons of research into into that, which is nuts. And then I try to do something a little different. Well, uh, we've spoken a ton about horror. And actually, you've said the word schlock. Yes. A couple times. Yes. Or would you be impressed if I tell you that that was Landis's first movie? Uh, yeah, I actually just got uh, a friend of mine gave me a Blu-ray of the of the Arrow video release of it. 
and I just saw it. I mean, I've known about the movie for a long time. Yeah, that I, was a student movie, I think. Uh, I yeah, I'm not sure if it's student in origin. All I know is it's fucking 1971. Yeah, so it's like his very. It's his first movie. I think it's one of Rick Baker's first, if not yeah. his first. You know, designing the Schlockopolis or whatever the yeah. formal name of it is. <laughs> I'm yeah, I I you know, it's it's a corny little horror spoof, but it's it's fun. You know, it's it's fun. Yeah, I um, like Schlock, and I like Schlock. <laughs> <laughs> have you been through the the through the it used to be what's it called now mopop yeah mopop what was it what did it used to be called uh it used to be called the emp yeah emp i like emp better yeah well you know rebranding what the hell i don't like it yeah <laughs> uh, kids and their rebranding i know I said, Mopop, it's always an, it's an EMP to me. Are you talking about the can't look away, the horror yeah. exhibit? Yeah, I've been a few times. We love going to that, Lori and I. Yeah, it's Do you awesome. ever do any of the Camp Out Cinema showings? Uh, yeah, actually, I hosted the uh, Camp Out Cinema screening of Suspiria a couple of years ago, which was I a lot of fun. missed it. Oh, dude, that was, a, that was the biggest screen I've seen it on, which was awesome. I mean, I've seen that movie many times. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a massive fan of Suspiria. And well, Dario you love Giallo in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, the panel that you did with Crypticon last year about Giallo was the one that got me kickstarted. Oh, good. Good. On, on watching them. And right now on my Amazon queue, I have, I don't know, like six or seven that I haven't Dude, seen yet. There are, I, you know, if Amazon Prime, <laughs> if their quality of their streaming was as good as Netflix's streaming, I'd be all in on that. My my Amazon Prime stream, like it's just, it's just piss lousy. It's not good. It's not good. It just keeps on kicking uh, out. You know what that means? It You're means, gonna have to pay. Yeah. You're gonna have to pay Comcast for more bandwidth. Probably. Although I am, I'm already, I'm already paying for a high speed connection. So. What's high speed? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure the stats. All I know is they charge me. Test? A, they charge me an extra eleven bucks a month for high speed. Oh, uh, you're probably only getting like. 50 yeah probably thanks trump <laughs> but anyway what aside from my issues with the streaming <laughs> uh, let's just dump some water bombs on that there french building that's up in flames that won't destroy the fragile wooden hey, structure but baby jesus wanted that cross to be saved yes yes and the stained glass to be saved thank you yes. and so uh, oh, but Amazon Giallo. <laughs> yeah, I was I was on there. You know, you could go down deep rabbit holes on Amazon Prime. They have a and lot. I, yeah, I, I have on my Netflix or my Amazon queue right now. I've got. Probably about 40 spaghetti westerns, like super obscure ones. And then Sergio, I've got. Sergio. Yeah. What's name? Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of Sergio Salimas. There's uh, Sergio Corbucci, who did uh, the first Django, actually the first couple of Django yeah. movies. Yeah, he's done a bunch of them. Enzo Castellari, who, uh, yeah, all these kind of all these like journeyman Italian directors did these types of movies, and then they did the Gialli, which I've got about forty Giallo mo- titles stacked up on Amazon Prime too. A lot yeah. that I have never seen. So I'm it, wow that you haven't seen. Yeah, there's there's That's a few on there. Yeah, you sh- does Amazon Prime let you make playlists that you could share? I don't think they do. Because, God, I would sure love to do that. That would be, I would totally subscribe that's, to your that's playlist. What, that's what Letterboxd is for, actually. I don't know. I, what just now, is. I just now joined Letterboxd. It's basically a social media thing for movie nerds. 
So you can, you know, catalog all the movies you've seen. You can write little capsule reviews. You can create lists. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty It's an app rad. or a website? Uh, it is a website. And I think they have an app for it. But, okay. I, yeah, I just now have started scratching, you know, scratching the surface of that. I've only been on for, like, a couple of weeks, and I think I've done two or three Letterbox. reviews. Yeah, Letterbox. It's Letterbox apostrophe D. I was about to do a sound effect of me typing on here. Oh. Last time I did that, I messed this whole recording up. Okay. We don't want to have that happen. We don't want to hear. hear. We can go. Letter <laughs> box. <laughs> uh, what you need to do is moisten your fingertip and then drag it over the over the surface of the glass. Will it do anything? If it's crystal. No, this is not crystal. We got this at uh, yeah. Taste Washington. Oh, darn it. Well, even if it's not crystal, it might make China. Sense. But anyway. But Giallo. Yes, I love Giallo. I think they're. You know, I've, <clears throat> I've only seen Suspiria one time. <clears throat> and that was not that long ago. Uh-huh. I haven't seen the new one. The new one's interesting. I I I I still have issues with it, but I've only seen it once. And I think I really want to see it a second time because okay. there is enough of interest in it. There's an, there are enough interesting things that they're doing in it to where I honestly I just may not get it. I may not have gotten it. Huh. You know? Who directed it? Uh Luca Guadagnino, I think is his name. Uh he mm-hmm. was an Oscar winner for was it call me, call me call me my call me your name call me by by my by name. my name yeah that um, coming of age movie yes exactly um, that's funny so he went from that to that yeah yeah pretty trippy but yeah, hey he's Italian so you know but yeah it's it's an interesting well first of all it's bladder testingly long it's like two hours and forty minutes I think and that's mm. like you know epic and it kind of doesn't need to be. Well, the new uh, Avengers is three, three hours, hours. I heard, man. Like 15 heard. minutes. Good heavens above. Uh, do not drink anything prior to the screening. I'm like a camel. <laughs> I can go like two days. Oh, dude. I envy that. I envy that gift. I envy that gift. I My beverage of choice that's non-alcoholic, which again, by the way, thank you for the wine, uh, my non-alcoholic alcoholic beverage of choice is water so i tend to like straight water yeah straight water i just I can't drink straight water really no I have to... wow a cold glass of water it's terrific i have to put crystal light in it ah uh. <laughs> you're not the only one <laughs> love crystal light there's no flavor there's no flavor just here. a little bit okay just a little pinch I what, get what's the... your <clears throat> what's your position on la croix no, <laughs> it needs vodka. <laughs> it is a damn fine mixer. I found. Hey, yeah. Um, I, I've seen Mad Men. Are you a fan of Mad Men? Uh, the TV show. Yeah. Yes. AMC Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Mad Men maybe four or five times all the way through. I love. I love Mad Men. Yeah. And I love the fact that they have a bar in their office. Oh, man. And I love the fact that they can drink at (sighs) 10. So sometimes (laughs) when I have a slow day, like a day that I pick just for editing. Yeah. Like the, so I take I, I take pictures, I make movies mm-hmm. and it's that that stuff is fun. Yeah. Like taking the pictures and making it, like yeah. shooting it. And that's all fun. Absolutely. What is what sucks is the editing. Yeah. And I'm a slow starter. 
Mm-hmm. But a nice vodka tonic at 10 in the morning <laughs> to get things going. Uh, those of us who work day jobs in, in an office and don't have that freedom <clears throat> envy you. See, but if you were in Mad Men time, you could have your bottle in your office. Thank you. Then it would be cool. And I'd be hanging in a swanky ass suit the whole time. That's right. And you can you know. smack your secretary as she walks by. Well, that that I'm not so <laughs> worried about. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a sucker. I'm totally metrosexual, by the way. So I love wearing I, I love doing the dress you know, shirt and tie thing oh if i were skinny heck yeah <laughs> you i have you don't have to be skinny to rock it carlos no you do no you do dress shirt and a tie looks good on any guy any size no because <laughs> you do it wrong you look like chris farley in that saturday night live episode you're this far away from being in a van down by the river <laughs> duly noted duly noted right no, the, you, you, you need to. <clears throat> I have two suits okay. that when I finish, here, I'll have to show you what I look in them. I'm going to show you what I look like in my suits. And then I'm going to tell you that if I put that pant on right now, it wouldn't okay. even go over my leg. <laughs> And the only reason I keep this photo is to torture myself. Ah. Whoa. And that was only three years ago. Holy wow. Well, I'm I'm digging the jacket. It's just an awesome jacket, man. Well That's played. That's a Ryan Seacrest collection ah. from me. And you know how small Ryan Seacrest is? Yes. He is we. I was a felt. Like 220 pounds in this mm. picture. Wow, what a trip. Oh. Well, you're still a damned handsome man, Carlos. No. <laughs> 40 just kicked me right in the face. <laughs> oh, 40 kind of did that number on a lot of us, my friend. 40 just took a huge <laughs> steaming dump right on my face. <sighs> yeah. Did I tell you about my foot? Uh, yes, you mentioned, uh, now well, was, this is related to your toe, which yeah. was related to your possible case of the plague. Yeah. Captain if, Trips. Like if this had happened when I was 39, I would have been fine. Yeah. But 40, 40 said, not only am I going to give you the sickness, I'm going to make your foot twice as big as what it should be. And then you can't walk for three days. <sighs> It sucks. Well, okay. All right. That's 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 very horror movie, actually, by the way. You know, I speaking could do of something which, on there. I wrote a it? it's not really a horror movie, but I wote a suspense movie. Mm. I should actually give about it to a you guy so with a swollen foot. <laughs> <laughs> I should a guy with a gout. <clears throat> Oh, that that would be a great film noir title, The Man with the Gout. Like a, some monster pops out of it. Oh, man, that'd be great. But you, like, get a big ball if you have the gout. I used to work with the guy who had gout, and he had, like, this big buildup on his wrist. Ooh. Oh, so he had wrist gout? He had wrist gout. Oh, that's crazy. 
My dad, get, my dad deals with it sometimes, but it's all in his like legs and feet. So. Like no, like animals pop out of it. No, I, as of yet, not that I know of. I mean, I don't see my parents too much, despite the fact they're only forty miles south of me. But yeah, my dad's never, to my knowledge, had any any animals or crustaceans or anything like that burst hmm. out of his gout. So. My dad has. My dad has <laughs> a. Uh, yeah, I like all the little tributaries this conversation's taking, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what tributaries means. Uh, like little branches of the river. Little branches of the river. You know, that's how it usually goes in the conversation with Amen. me. Hey, I dig that. That works for me. There's just so many things to talk about. Exactly. Uh, but you know what? So, Let's talk anyway. about this. All right. Yes. So I have a few friends that <clears throat> are new to horror. Mm-hmm. You know what makes me, for some unknown reason, I like to surround myself with mid to late 20 year olds. <laughs> I think that's the masochist in me. <laughs> like, why should, why do I do, why do I do that? They're all idiots. Oh, you know, I'm. I cover a fair amount of like local music shows and it's starting to get to the point where my middle-aged ass is in the amidst all these, you know, millennials and 20 somethings. And it's like, I, I, it, you can, you can feel your bones creak when you're in that, when you're in that millennials are the worst. I actually tell me about, uh, these, uh, the places where you write for. Oh, um, well, I currently am the editor in chief and one of the key contributing writers for a website called artisthome.org, uh, artist which is a music website. And Artist Home is a PR company that does uh, it does uh, the timber music festivals in the winter and the summer, and it also does Dobe Fest. Uh, it's very well known for kind of its outside the box programming. And I, I get total freedom to basically write about whatever I want, which is awesome. And it's mostly Northwest music. Okay. Um, for nine years, I wrote for city arts magazine and website, uh, which was a, a pretty well known arts and culture magazine. That was a, a monthly for about nine or 10 years at rest in peace. It recently went under, uh, their website's still live. Yeah, their website's still alive. You can still you can still read our content. Uh, we're just not putting anything new in oh, it. Oh, I see. Um, and uh, let me see. I'm also writing and doing podcasts for a website called cityofgeek.com with a couple of wonderful cohorts of mine. Who are they? Uh, that would be Bob Foster. Kim, oh, I know him. Yeah, Kim Douthit and uh, Cody Masco. Uh, who is also a huge Italian horror fan, by the way. He That's, is. He was on that Giallo yeah, panel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I do those. Let me see what else. Uh, I used to write for a website called thesunbreak.com. I just started free, uh, kind of freelancing for Crosscut, which is a largely news website, but they're starting to kind of beef up their en- entertainment coverage, and that's kind of my, my bailiwick. I covered Northwest Film for about nine or ten years, and so I... I'm pretty steeped in that and it's a great time to be kind of observing film and music in this town because there's a lot of really amazing stuff happening. There's a lot going on at once. The technology is enabling people to make good movies that, and we have a pretty robust regional film scene in spite of the fact that there's not a huge amount of city or government support, Yeah, which is cool. Well, there's not, support for anything in this city I, well you know 
That's, you know, everybody wants to experience the art, but nobody wants to pay for it. And well, I, that's not me getting on a high horse because you know, God knows, you know, we all love to get shit for free. So I'll need to uh, intersect my complete disdain for the Seattle City Council here. Ah, done. <laughs> oh. I'm going to vote for that dude that did that thing at the shop. Oh, right on. Because he's going up against that Kwarma Schwantard. Oh, woman. uh, Shama Swant. Yes. Yeah, her. Yeah. She's, I, you know, I, one thing I will say for her is she speaks her mind. I was at a, a city council meeting, actually, me and a bunch of music fans, local musicians, rock writers like me, um, went to the Seattle City Council when they were putting up an, a motion to uh, kind of extend the life of the Showbox Theater yeah. in uh, downtown, which was which is like an 80 year old building right. that hosted like Cab Calloway and, and jazz musicians of all stripes way back yeah. in the day. And it's uh, like everything else in Seattle. It's under threat of, of demolition. And the Seattle City Council gave it a stay of execution when we all kind of gathered on mass for that meeting. But I the main point being I got to see the Seattle City Council in action and uh, the one thing I will say for Shawant is that she, like, she gave no quarter and she called everyone on their bullshit. Uh, yeah. And there was a fair amount of that, it being a, you know, political entity. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So the show box is safe for the meantime? For the moment, Ooh, yeah. I'm going to tell you another story. Oh, please, please do. So <laughs> I had one guest who... As we were talking, he would say something, and then I would want to tell the story, and then he uh -huh. would flat out say, no, this is all about me. <laughs> it, I had to bite my tongue to say, this is my show. Dude. <laughs> I'm, you know, that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's your star vehicle, Carlos. You're the lead. We're all supporting actors No, but in your I life. do have a super cool... I <laughs> I do have a super cool story about the show box. Yes, please. which is why I love it, and yeah. then I would support whatever it is to save it because, uh -huh. like, we need a we like that's good. We don't need another condo building there. Amen. So a few years ago, uh, I went to the gym, went back home, got home about ten in the morning. My wife sends me a text message, and then she says, "Foo Fighters are having a surprise concert." Tickets will go on sale at Showbox Market at noon. I race down there. Mm. <clears throat> I'm in line for eight hours. Jeez. But the coolest thing was that at some point, like at three or four in the afternoon, mm -hmm. someone from the Showbox came with their little clicker and was clicking, clicking. Yeah. He gave me a wristband, and then he gave the person behind me a wristband. And then he looked at the person behind her, and he said, there is a 90% chance you guys aren't getting tickets. And then he just left. Oh, my God. So six hours later, I'm at the front. I'm at the, the box office. I buy two tickets, 50 bucks. Two tickets because mm -hmm. they're twenty five bucks a piece. Oh wow! I pay for them. I hang back a little bit. The girl behind me, she buys her ticket, and then the person behind her, they say, "Nope, we're sold out." Jeez. 
So this was the year that Foo Fighters did a surprise. I think it was a Thanksgiving mm. near Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. They only sold 600 tickets. Whoa. 200 at Showbox Pike play uh, market, market. Mm-hmm. Uh, 200 at easy street and 200 someplace else. Oh, wow. They sold 600 tickets. Jeez. And Foo Fighters played for three and a half hours. Holy crap. And Foo Fighters is my one of my absolute favorite bands. Well, and they had, even at that point, they probably had a deep back catalog so they could oh, play a three hour no, set. No, this was at the beginning of their Sonic Highway. Mm. So they played everything. And I was within 20, I was like 15 feet away from Dave Grohl. Jeez. I so love awesome. that theater because it's like it's it's big enough to where it feels substantial, but it's still intimate enough to where you can pretty much sit any place in the house and yeah. not feel like you're too far away. Yeah, it was so cool. It yeah. was like I will never, ever forget that. That's awesome. I stood in the same place for three and a half hours. Dave brought the original members of his band when he was in Virginia. They were there. Oh, the scream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the name of the band. I'm not positive. Yes. Time time to hit the web. Time to find out. They were there. It was just so it was just so much fun. And then we saw Foo Fighters again at a uh, <clears throat> festival in Walla Walla. Mm. But it was huge and of I course. was way back, but it was fun. Yeah. But like how awesome is that? Your very first Foo Fighter experience and is in that theater. like I could have thrown something at Dave Grohl and my aim would have been perfect and hit him right in the face. Wow. Well, Thank anyways, you for yeah, not doing that. that, by the way. I Yeah, I've seen a lot of great shows at the Showbox. That Jesus. was the only time I've been there. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I God, who have I seen there? Um, I saw Bo Diddley there eons ago. And Mud Honey opened. That was great. Uh, Every now and then, I think I want to start getting into Mud Honey. Mm-hmm. But then I don't. Ah, it's, I probably I, should. I, I love them. I mean, they're they're basically like Seattle's version of the Stooges. Yeah, it's just like it's it's proto garage punk that just it just it just and they're phenomenal live. I think that's that's one of the things that I think people who are fans of Mud Honey, the thing that sells them is seeing them live because they are a terrific. Live Do you remember band. when they played on top of the Space Needle? Oh yeah, yeah. We lived across the street. Oh, we right lived on. in a condo across the street from that right on and i remember seeing helicopters because I've, I've been working from home forever i've i haven't had an actual um like an office job, job like an office job well, good for you a super duper long time those but of I us remember, who toil <laughs> salute you i just like i would murder everybody if i had to <laughs> be in there but i remember hearing helicopters and then thinking what the heck is going on and then going outside on our patio and then seeing, like, I could see people on top of yeah. there and then they're playing. I'm like, that is super cool. And then I turned on the TV and there's Mud Honey on the Space Needle playing. I'm like, that is super cool. <laughs> <laughs>